Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for, bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to better understand and defend your faith by thinking biblically. It's the same way Jesus did it. I want to take the opportunity in this week's episode to answer a question that I get literally all the time. It goes something like this. So what do you do in an apologetics ministry? <laughs> like boots on the ground, day-to-day, real life, like what does it look like? So I wanted to take this week's episode and share an experience that we had at our church youth group. So let me set the stage here. Um, it was a beautiful, warm summer evening in Oregon. And there's just a gentle breeze in the evening. The sun was getting ready to set over the mountains. Beautiful scene. We were going through the book of Romans, and we were on chapter 8. And then near the end of chapter 8, we encountered the um, famous term predestination verse 29 and 30, it says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And to those he justified, he also glorified. And so the teacher read through this verse And he paused and he pointed at me and said, and I want all you students after our teaching tonight to go find Mr. Swart and he's going to explain what that term predestination means. (laughs) So I want to walk you through the conversation that I ended up having with the youth that night. And I want to be clear up front. My objective in this episode is not to give you the final teaching on what predestination is. And actually, that wasn't my objective that evening either, was to give the kids a perfect answer. What I wanted to do was I wanted to walk them through what it meant to think biblically, to think critically, which is really what our apologetics ministry here in Portland is all about. We are here to equip kids to better understand their faith and give a reason for the hope that they have. And let me say one last thing. What I explained tonight, it's going to sound like my style. And that's because I have a style just like you, just like everyone. My style is not the only style. My style is not the correct style. Don't try and be me. But hopefully this will give you an example, an illustration of what it could look like for somebody. And then you adapt it for your own style. So we started walking down the hill. And of course, one of the kids came up to me and they said, okay, Mr. Swartz, so this whole predestination thing, uh, I want to talk to you about it. I said, great, let's do it. They were like, so does the Bible really teach predestination? (laughs) And I said, you know, that's a great question. What do you think the answer to that question is? The youth wasn't ready for me to answer his question with another question. 
it seemed like he just wanted me to give him an answer that he could kind of check the box and plug into his theology and move on with his life. Go, no, no, no. <laughs> You're going to do the hard work. You're going to learn how to do this yourself. So I said back to him, well, what do you think the answer is? And he kind of paused. I mean, I guess the obvious answer is yes. I mean, what the teacher read tonight was that God predestined things to happen and for things to be the way they are. So yeah, I guess the obvious answer is yes. I said, do you even know what predestination is? And again, they paused and they're like, well, actually, no, I guess I don't even really know what it means. And I said, okay, cool. You got a Bible there in your hand, open it up and let's start walking through this. So he opened it up. He reread that uh, verse speaking about God for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And I said, here, let me show you a couple little tricks. I pulled out my phone. I said, I've got the Bible on my smartphone. See this little free download thing, this little free app that you can download. You can actually look up the words. And a lot of you have these kind of Bible tools on your phone or your computer. And I said, look, let's look at that word in the original Greek. I said, you don't have to you know, delve into the Greek every time you have any question, but this is a pretty heavy question, so I thought it was appropriate to do so. So I said, let's click on this word, predestination. I said, you know that the New Testament wasn't written in English. He's like, yeah, yeah, I remember. Great, it was written in Greek and then translated. So let's go look at what that Greek word means. I think he was maybe a homeschooler, so he had taken some Latin and he you know, knew about root words and prefixes. And so I said, let's go through a quick little word study. I said, this Greek word is pro-orizo. He's like, yeah, it has a prefix and you know, a root word. Yeah, pro means before. Orizo means to mark out a boundary or to determine, to appoint it to be so. He's like, okay, cool. So that's what that means. And I think he was expecting predestination to mean something like God decides who goes to hell and who goes to heaven. And so I think he was a little surprised at first to find out that predestined had a more generic sense than that. So I said, okay, cool. We're getting somewhere. Now I said predetermined. He determined ahead of time something to be so. At this time, you know, a couple other people were gathering around and they're like, oh, this is good. I want, I want to hear the answer to this too. By this time, there's a group of four or five people. And I said, here, let me give you an example. And this is always a good teaching tool. I said, there was a volleyball court and the kids were playing volleyball. I said, see that volleyball court right there? See how it's got a boundary around the outside? And I said, do you think it was just that way from the beginning of time? And they're like, no, of course not. I'm like, no, somebody came down here before youth group and marked out the boundary of what the volleyball court was going to be. Like, all right. That way, you knew people inside the volleyball court are playing volleyball and people who are outside of that boundary are not playing volleyball. So it kind of separates out these people from these people. And they did it before youth groups. So it was done ahead of time. And, and I said, so you could say about that volleyball court, that it was pro-orizoed. I know the English and the Greek, you can't really do this. Go with me. It was pro-orizoed, that volleyball court. And by this time, the kid's like, oh, okay. So it just, it's done ahead of time. It marks out a boundary. You're deciding how things are going to be. I'm like, great, you guys are getting this. Now I asked him, all right, do you know another time in the Bible where that exact word 
is used. You know, again, another teaching tool, word studies, and I'm, I'm kind of teaching them how to go through the Bible. And they're like, oh, no, I don't know. I said, okay, 1 Corinthians 2.7. Go to 1 Corinthians 2.7 and read it. It says, this is Paul speaking. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. See how they use different English words there, decreed before the ages. In Romans, it used predestined. It's actually the same Greek word. They're just translating it with different English words. Like, okay. And I say, so now in that context, this is helping you build an understanding of what that word means so that we decide, okay, what does it mean? What is the Bible teaching? I said, now look at that context. What's that talking about? They're like, okay, some mystery. It was going to be the way it was, but God decided ahead of time that he wouldn't fully reveal what that was. Right in the beginning, he was going to wait until a, a later time. And I said, so that's the gospel. That's the amazing, wonderful, secret and hidden wisdom of God that he's speaking of is the gospel. Now, by the way, quick little aside, if you are a Christian and you're listening to this, and you can't quickly, succinctly communicate what the gospel is to somebody, you need to fix that. <laughs> you, you need to go through, read the Bible, study it, you know, look up some examples online, whatever it is, write it out. You need to be able to quickly communicate the gospel in any situation. Okay, back into our story. So I said, the secret hidden wisdom of God is the gospel. You know, the gospel being that people are separated from God because of their sin, that they're going to eventually be reconciled to God through some kind of a sacrifice. And that's offer of salvation, that gift of salvation is going to be open to everyone, both Jews and Gentiles. That sacrifice was going to be God himself. And you could never earn that gift of salvation through doing good works. So I said, all of that is in the gospel. And that wasn't fully revealed from the beginning of time. That was something that God waited until Christ came and was on earth. And then that full revelation of God's redemptive plan for humanity became clear. Okay. So that's what that first Corinthians two means. And they're like, oh, okay. So God predestined that information to be revealed at when Jesus was here. So they were like, oh, okay. So people can be predestined. Information can be predestined. So they're like, oh, okay. I, now you're getting a fuller sense of what that word means. Okay. And we'll get to, you know, what does the Bible teach about it? What are the implications? But now, you know, now they're quite a, quite a crowd of kids are gathering around. They're like, oh, okay. I want to, you know, I want to answer that. Everybody open your Bibles. And I'm asking them questions back and forth. So I said, okay, back to our Romans passage. Now that we've got a little bit of background on what that word predestined, pro orizo means, let's go back to our Romans passage. And I said, what is the most important thing? Anytime you study the Bible and you're trying to think through a question, what's the most important thing you need to do? And they're like, oh, I don't know, you know, da, 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 the kids are throwing it around. Um, and one of the kids is like, look at the context. And I'm like, exactly. Good job. Let's look at the context. So what's happening? We're on Romans chapter 8, verses you know, 28 through 30. What's the context of the whole book of Romans so far? And we went through that. 
you know, just quickly. And again, you don't have to go through this for every question, but this is a big question. So I, I wanted to show the kids the whole process. So I said, what's the whole context of Romans? Well, it talks about sin. It talks about how we're condemned in our sin. It talks about what the law can and cannot do. That, that's what Romans has been building up to. And now in chapter 8, it is introducing this concept of the flesh versus the spirit. That's the context of chapter 8. And as it gets halfway through the chapter, he says in, chap in verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory. Now halfway through in chapter 8, he says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, but to be led by the Spirit of God. So he introduces this concept of a contrast between flesh and spirit. Then in 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. Okay, it's hard in the flesh. <laughs> There's challenges, but live by the spirit. And then in verse 26, he's like, don't worry. The spirit will help us in our weakness. Okay, that's all the backdrop for, okay, now verse 26. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for their good. For those who are called according to his purposes. So he's saying, I've got some great news for a certain set of people. There's flesh versus spirit. And if for those who are going to live by the spirit, I've got some good news for you. So now all the kids are like hanging on, you know, every word. They're like, okay, it's all making sense. It's coming together. I'm like, what does it say? What's the beginning of this verse? And I made a couple of different kids read this sentence over and over and over again. Verse 28. And we know that for those who love God. And I stopped there and I said, okay, that's the first part of the direct context of our passage today. For those who love God. I said, is love a choice? And the kids are like, yeah. I'm like, do you have to love? No, you don't have to love. You can choose to love. You can choose to not love. And this is where I introduced the concept. I said, okay, guys, well, let's think about this. The context of this verse is for those who love God. He's separating out a type of people, a category of people. For those who love God. I said, let me ask you a question. Does the Bible say that we have free will? Can we make choices? And some of the kids are like, well, yeah, of course I can make choice. Watch this. And, you know, he kicked a soccer ball or whatever. See, that was making, I'm like, yeah, no, that's, of course our experience is a good thing to look at. But what does the Bible say? And they're like, yeah, I, I think the Bible says we have free will or choice or whatever. Show me an example. So they were struggling a little bit at this time. And I said, well, let's go back to the gospel, talking about Jesus. Go to Ch John chapter 1. Somebody read this. So they read that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And I'm like, great. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I said, what does that say? Those who received him. So we went to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And I said, great. Go down to verse 11. It says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave right to become the children of God. I said, did those people have a choice? They're like, yeah. Some people didn't receive him and some people did receive him. And I said, and the people who received him, what were they? They became the children of God who were not born of the 
blood or the flesh or the will of man, but of God. I said, are there any other examples of people making choices? Like, okay, uh, how about later in John? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Does that sound like a choice? Yeah, it's, it's somebody who believes. Great. Now, what about what Jesus himself preached? I said, what was the first sermon that Jesus preached when he was on earth? People are like, uh, you know, it's in the Gospels. Okay, great. We're in the Gospels. Okay, Matthew, Mar okay, let's just go to Matthew, Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I said, Jesus's first sermon had what? What was the first word he used? Repent. I said, is repentance something that you automatically do or something you have to make a choice to do? Like you have to make a choice to repent. You have to turn and go the other way. Exactly. So, you know, at this point, the kids are picking up on it. I'm like, yeah, the Bible absolutely teaches that we have a free will. We're accountable for our choices. Now let's go back to Romans chapter eight. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I said, so we started with people who love God. People have made a choice to love God. What's the next thing? God knows that. God knows that ahead of time. He's known that forever. Okay, so those people that God knows ahead of time that will make the choice to love him, what does he do with them? He predestines them. Predestines them to what? To be tall, to have black hair, to have shiny shoes. What does he predestine them to do? To be conformed into the image of his son. All right. And then what? And, and to be called and to be justified and to be glorified. And the kids are coming up with these answers on their own. Now, the kids are coming up with these answers on their own. And I go to them and I say, now, if we had a piece of paper and pen, you could sit down with your Bible and you could make like a little chart here. And it would say, okay, there's a box. Those who love God. Okay, God foreknows that. Okay, he predestines them. Okay, he calls them. Okay, he justifies them. Okay, he glorifies them. And I said, and you could map this all out and it would make a whole lot of sense. So I said, I want all of you to go home tonight. If this is something that's interesting in you and they're like, of course it's interesting in us. That's why we're piling around you and asking these questions and interacting. We want to know this stuff, which is always so encouraging to me. I don't feel like I ever have to drag kids into wanting to know more truth. At least here in this area, the, the crowds that we run in, kids are desperate. They're hungry. They want to know truth. They're so sick of being lied to and deceived and manipulated on social media and, you know, just every circumstance that they're in. They're like, man, I don't need any more people shoving stuff down my throat. You just show me the, the nuggets and you let me interact with them. You let me think about this stuff. The kids love this. So I said, okay, I have an assignment for all of you. Go home, map this out, do it, and it'll make a lot more sense. And then I brought it back to that concept of context. And I said, okay, everything that we've gone through so far, what is the next Bible verse after this long sentence about predestination? One of the kids opened up their Bible and they said, 
Verse 31, chapter 8 of Romans, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And I said, perfect. So when you're wrestling this stuff through, make sure that whatever conclusion you come to, it fits within the context of the rest of that chapter. So what's the next thing? It says, hey, at the end of all this stuff, the conclusion we should have is whatever God decides, that's the way it is. He's the one in charge. And so if God decides that he's going to predestine that those who love him will be called according to his purposes, by golly, that is going to happen. (laughs) You can take that to the bank. You can be certain that God's purposes will not be thwarted. So you go back, you have a choice, you love God, and God's like, those people will look like this, and he'll carry it all the way through. So the kid's like, okay, this is great. One of them, I was so encouraged as they were walking away. I said, hey, I kind of looked at the group and I said, okay, we've walked through this stuff and I've kind of tried to summarize it here. I looked around at the group of kids and I said, okay, so what other questions do you have? And kind of one by one, they're like, I, I think I got it. Like that's, it, it all makes sense. That's not crazy. It's not over our heads. It's not beyond our knowledge and understanding. Every kid was like, that's pretty satisfying. And the first kid that I was interacting with, he's like, wow, that was actually kind of cool. He's like, you just asked us a bunch of questions. (laughs) And then you pointed out what the Bible said. And then you asked us other places where the Bible talked about these concepts. And he's like, that was really cool. It kind of makes me feel like I could do this. Like I could do this on my own. And that is the biggest compliment I'll ever get in that all of us as apologists, as mentors, as disciplers in the Christian faith, that's what we want. We don't want them dependent on us. We want them to feel like, you know what? I can go off and do this myself. I'm empowered to grow closer to God, to be closer to God without having a handicap or a crutch of another person. Now, are you always going to be blessed and encouraged by other people helping you? Absolutely. But you always want to push people towards pursuing God of their own initiative. One of the reasons that so many kids are walking away from their faith in high school and college, one of the ways that we are failing them as the church is because when they have questions, we're telling them, no, it's not okay to have questions. It's not okay to have doubts. Just believe because I said so. And the kids are like, that's what Christianity is. Just a blind faith. Just believe in it because somebody in authority shoved it down my throat. Yeah, no thanks. We're reaping what we've sown for a lot of years. Anyway, hopefully this paints a picture for you. I want to point out the three things that I was doing consistently through the night. I was asking questions and letting them give me answers. I was pointing out inconsistencies that wasn't biblical or wasn't true, or I've been doing this longer than them, so I could kind of get ahead of them a little bit on some of this stuff. I would point out their inconsistencies and their logic and their reasoning, and always, 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 I'd lead them back to the Bible. That is the surest place. That is our strongest foundation in critical thinking and analysis is the Bible.
So let me conclude what the night looked like at the end of this, after engaging with them and interaction and questions and back and forth, I did share my opinion. So I said, all right, what was our question in the beginning? Does the Bible really teach predestination? And the kid's like, absolutely. Yep, you're right. It absolutely teaches predestination. What is predestination? That God ordains something ahead of time to be a certain way. Yep, absolutely he does that. And I said, now, let me <laughs> also go beyond this and say there's another concept here that we didn't talk about, and that is election. Now, election is different than predestination. And I said, there's some verses in Ephesians chapter 1 that we can go through. They're going to be talking about that. That's a whole other conversation for another time. And so at the end of it, I gave them some meat, some things to walk away with. They felt empowered. I also left them a little bit hungry. And so I'm anticipating that next week or the week after, they're going to say, hey, I went back and I, I read some verses on election. Well, let's walk through this step by step and process this stuff together. And so anyway, hope that explains some things. Hope that encourages you out there and gives you something to think about. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.